Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to episode two of Humans of Excess Manchester with me, Clint Boone. Every week we're going to be celebrating the spirit of Manchester by speaking to somebody who's helped shape the city in some way or other. This week I'm joined by John Thompson, star of stage and screen, most notably as Pete Gifford in the hugely successful Cold Feet. He's going to tell us about how surprised he was at the success of Cold Feet when it launched back in the late 90s. I had no idea it was going to be that big. Mm. And it was huge. The timing was just right. The casting was perfect. I, when we did the pilot, I had no idea it would go that big. And he'll talk about how he turned to alcohol and drugs while struggling with fame. Depressed, start nosing. You know, I used drugs and alcohol to, make, to self-medicate the pain yeah. of, of the attention and, and that, that I didn't want. 
It gives a great pleasure to welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester a man who, over the last three decades, has become one of Britain's most loved comedians, actors through his work on TV. For a lovely man and a born and bred-ish Mancunian, John Thompson, welcome, how are you? Thanks for having me. Born in uh, Salford, were you? I was Hope Hospital. My daughters were too. Okay. So my, my youngest, Sophia, she's eight, and she's yeah. one of the last ones because the maternity shut down now. So myself and both my daughters... Yeah. We're, we're, we're Salford Royal now, isn't it? Yeah. But Hope Hospital, yes, right. back in 1969. But then raised in uh, outside Manchester, was it Preston it, the original? It was, it's, it's Preston Borough, but it's a small village called New Longton, which is uh, mainly, it's very um, very green, it's very agricultural around there. In fact, there was an agricultural college in New Longton. But uh, I used to say in my stand-up, I said, I, I came from, in a, I grew up in a very interesting village that had two carpet shops and no pub. And uh, I did the fast show live, uh, at the Apollo, and a bloke come up to me and went, can I shake your hand? He went, I can't thank you enough. And I went, well, it was all over me. And I went, why are you so excited? He went, I own one of them carpet shops. You put me on the map. <laughs> That's so, uh, <laughs> so I went to a, a strict Catholic school, All Hallows, and a, a, a sweet little primary school in Longton, which is next to New Longton, yeah. called St Oswald's. I, I wasn't too happy at secondary school because... I was a bit wayward. I was class clown, and but they did let me do some musicals at school, so that kind of kept me in check. Yeah. Did you get punished for being a class clown rather than having I did, it I got strapped. Um, I was exactly the same, man. Somebody sent me the, that joke thing. It was Manny sent it me. It was compensation for kids. Have you had a board duster thrown at you? Yeah. Have you been made to stand in the corner? Have you been given lines? And it was compens- It was from Viz. Yeah. I went, my God. When I first read it, I thought, I'm, I'm going to get a fortune here. Yeah. You think it was real? <laughs> I thought it was real. It was brutal, though, wasn't it? It was, but honestly, you get detention for not doing your top button up at our school. Yeah. It was really, really hard work. Talk about your childhood. You were adopted, weren't you? I was, and in Didsbury. Yeah. Catholic Rescue, and this is the interesting thing, Clint. Catholic Rescue's on Parswood Road, and 18 years later, I went to the Capitol building to do drama at the Poly. My yeah. Met now, and it's exactly open address to what was the Capitol building, the Horniman Theatre on the corner of Parswood and School Lane, was Catholic Rescue. Wow. So I came full circle next door in 18 years. And is that building still there? No, they knocked it down, sadly. Yeah. But it was ABC Studios, so the bit, it had a lot of history. It shouldn't have been knocked down, really. It was listed as well. ABC Studios? Yeah. Was that the old Granada place? Yeah. Oh, okay. The Beatles did the first yeah. TV there. And I think Dylan, Bob Dylan played there. Correct. Julie Lewis? No, was that? that it was, was a mate. It was, yeah. Armchair yeah. Thriller was filmed there as wow. well. Wow. And apparently that it, it was haunted by someone who died in the armchair. Oh. The actual armchair on Armchair Thriller. Is this one of jokes? Is There's not. We'll try and get one in, though. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you had a, an all right childhood. You, I did. I was a very happy childhood, really. I mean, yeah. I was a bit wayward at school, but only a clown. I wasn't, like, burning things and smashing windows. I was just, a, like, getting laughs, you know, really. Yeah. I had a lovely upbringing. Um, my dad was a... Uh, we had a very basic house to start with on a cul-de-sac, but my dad worked really hard, and we, and we got a better house after that. But this thing... I, I'm not a working-class hero by any stretch of the imagination. I'm kind of like uh, the son of an upwardly mobile sort of middle-class family, family really yeah. you know I didn't like I wasn't brought up by my bootstraps on an estate in Salford it, I, I I was very fortunate to be adopted by a, a man who I, who I greatly admire my dad who, who, who's very fair and he's got great wisdom and he's incredibly bright because he went to UMIST yeah. and he was head of the student union at UMIST my dad and he was student of the year so he got a, a, a BA honours in physics with distinction and he was the highest pupil that year and he's wow. on a plaque on the wall and has only that rubbed off on you? 
Uh, not the physics, no. <laughs> but I mean, IQ is quite uh, quite high, really. It's just the fact that I can't concentrate. It's kind of let yeah. me down. You were going to say about you. You said the. You didn't smash windows, but you did you not burn things either? I love fire. I, I still I, I, do. I'm a great fan of fire. In fact, my mum and dad used to search me for matches. Um, <laughs> did you ever play with detonators on the railway lines? No, I never got... I never. <clears throat> did you? I know of that. We did, yeah. Yeah. Well, and we had Bornhead on episode one, and apparently he did the same thing. It was a warning for the navvies, wasn't it, on the on the engineering days? Part of that, yeah. We lived a mile from the end of the railway line. It was um, Royton, the railway line ended yeah, yeah. there. And... Um, the detonators were put there by a little chap in a little box to warn the train drivers that you were coming to the end of the line. Malakin about. That's what my dad used to call it. Malakin. Malakin oh, I like about. That. I think it comes from Malarkey. Yeah, Scott well Malakin about. We had a, there was a building site near us once, we were building some houses and they left a steamroller overnight and we figured out we could start it with a, a front door key, a Yale front door key. Yeah. Started it and just left it going and just went off into a distance. You're joking. No, it went, man. It went. You let, you let it roll? We let it roll, baby, so, roll. That is so mad. We could make this a new theme for we could, come another we. podcast. What's the most uh, outrageous and let's, dangerous Let's thing call it John and Clint going equipped. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like one of your new shows that you're doing voiceovers for, doesn't it? The, yeah, it um, what's the, you've just done a wildlife one, haven't you? I've done two, actually. I'm like, everyone thinks I'm Dr. Doolittle all of a sudden, because I do. I've done <laughs> The People's Vet for Channel 4. Yeah. That was 13 eps, that. Right. And I've just done Saving Britain's Wild life as well yeah and you've just done it what was the other one you did re- recently that you mentioned before are oh, you just doing uh, police, police interceptors, interceptors. yeah <laughs> we've been I'm doing that about five years now but they right. move around yeah they move around so the, the but everyone's got every each air each borough each area's got different crime right so J- county durham was a lot of uh cannabis uh, home grows massive grows in houses yeah um and and, and bored lads just chase being love just for a crack, just being chased, yeah. you know, and seeing if they could leg it fast enough to not get caught. <laughs> uh, um, but the, uh, the, the we're now in Yorkshire, West Yorkshire, so there's a lot more gangs that, that, that so it's all, it always changes from one to another. They tried Cheshire, it's a massive, sprawling borough Cheshire, but it didn't really deliver the goods. Right. Not really. Not not as many crims per square no, inch. No, not really. Right. And that's no excuse to start uh, people of Cheshire. Yeah. You played drums, didn't you, from... Uh an early age. 11, I still play. You still play him? Yeah, I very, look, fortunately, I I got to play on telly recently. Uh, you know Gareth Malone, who does the the choirs? Yeah. He did a music quiz for BBC Music Day, so it was a panel game with where you brought your instrument. And, uh, I mean, I didn't bring my own drums because it would have been a right bind getting the, <laughs> getting the, the 1206 from Stockport, really. But um, <laughs> it would, uh, uh, yeah, I played drums on it and I absolutely... Loved it. And it got a good review. I'd like to think that that series will go. So it was Gareth Malone's All-Star Music Quiz. Right. Uh, and we did that for, for Music Day. But I still play. I've just got my congas retuned from Johnny Roadhouse they came <laughs> from. They were very reasonable as well. Still a sticker on. I couldn't believe how cheap they were. were ye- years old, though. But I put, just put new fibre skins and they sound beautiful. Yeah. So I've got a digi kit downstairs in the basement, which is uh, neighbour friendly. So right. you put the cans on. Oh, yeah. Electric for those kit. of you not in there, yeah. Can those- you do all that on it? Oh, yeah, it's got that. Yeah. You can do the old. Oh, do you remember Countdown used to be? Yeah. But that now, then it went like a, right, okay. a, dud, a dud timpani. And I, never, I don't know what the, I don't know who, at what in what position at, at Channel 4 went, we're not having anymore, we're going what about EastEnders? Can you do the beginning of that one? Yeah. 
It sounds like someone falling down the stairs. Yeah, it, it did. It did actually. Yeah. It does. It's a very strange intro. Yeah. Another one to listen out for is it's on Michael Jackson's Thriller. It sounds like he drops his sticks. Yeah. Well, I think. Oh, I'll have to, I don't know which track it is. We'll do a Google on that. We'll Google it. We'll Jeeves it. Should we Jeeves it? Ask, ask, ask Jeeves. Jeeves. Yeah. Oh, is that still going? No. No. But it's That's, great, isn't it? What happened to you? One minute, it's Ask G. It's like MySpace. It's massive, one of them. Day it's funny I said that, because uh, my, brother's, my brother's a producer on Children in Need. Right, okay. Ben. Oh, Ben. He's, uh, he's at the BBC. And uh, Ben said, can you do some pudsy tweets and put your get your ears on, buy your ears for charity? And I went, yeah, I've covered it. He said, I'm all over it. I said, they've done it on every platform. I've done it on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, Friends Reunited, and Tumblr. Tumblr. Do you know anyone? I, I just put it on Tumblr for a laugh, and I just nobody, I, only I know I'm on there. But do you know what? Won't stop me posting. Yeah. I've, I've never been on t- Tumblr. Is that one where, you, is it like a dating thing? No. No, no it's not. That's Riot. Oh, no, that's celeb dating. I'm trying to get on there, but they won't, uh, they won't have me. <laughs> Are you single at the moment? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they won't have me on Riot. It's like celebs date celebs, and I thought, that's brilliant, that. Right. But I'm not I'm not good enough. What about Tinder? Have you tried that? I have in the past. Is yeah. there celebrity Tinder? <laughs> there isn't, but you can get verified. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you can get a tick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I leave it. I've, I've had a. I've, I've had a go at it, and I'm. I'm, I'm off it. I'm, I'm going to go the old route. Old, I'll go the old school route now. Let's get back to music. What was the first music that uh, inspired you? Right, that's a great question. I was in France on the on the French Exchange in Lyon, which is an industrial city. Mm. And why they chose to? It's like twin towns. What year? Uh, let me think. Eighty uh, one. So I've been twelve. Right. So anyway, uh, it rained a lot. And it was it was quite dull, but my French was pretty good, so I kind of it helped my French really well. But then I I, I looked through the albums because it, it was eighty two vinyl, mm. and I went, oh that looks good. It's a great cover. It's Stanley Clark School Days. Right. So I put that on and put the headphones on. I was away. I wouldn't stop listening to it because it had Steve Gadd on it, and because I knew drummers then. You see, so it's like jazz fusion. I think they fusion. Called, yeah. It? So it's like I knew Steve. Gad and I knew Billy Cobham were on the album because I looked at the on the cover notes, you know, who was playing on the tracks, and it was mm. like it was a who's who of session players. But I love things, I love bass players because I'm a drummer, so it's part of the rhythm section, so it's the back end, you know, and it's mm. kind of like that. I really like funk bass, yeah. I've always liked it. Like when I was a kid, my favorite when I was a teenager, my favorite commercial band was Love 42, right? Because of Mark's playing, yeah. What about reggae? Was that something that I love reggae, yeah. Love it. It's the only thing that kind of gets me dancing. You know, when he, it comes on, I'm start having a bit of a... Oh, it's, it's primal, isn't it? I, I, something about reggae, yeah. it always gets me, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm in the kitchen chopping up yeah. something, I'll be, it'll, it'll get me moving. I've been listening to a lot of ska. Like, I love ska. I, I've always loved it, but recently I've got these ska albums and um, just banging them on. It just it makes me grin ear to ear. I love ska yeah. music. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's yeah, I love it. Music might become your thing, might have become your thing, but you got into acting. When did the acting start? When did you first realise you had a bit of a penchant? Is that the word? Penchant. Penchant. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Penchant. Um, when penchant. Penchant. <laughs> <laughs> a penchant for... Con- right, so, really, school, primary school, Fagin in Oliver, aged 10? Not bad to start, Maybe that, nine, Fagin... Yeah. Got the bigger pocket or two. Oh, no, it's a massive, it's a big, reviewing the yeah. situation is a big song, that. It's yeah. a long song, that. It's a hard yeah. song, that. So from that to secondary school, a little bit in My Fair Lady. I think I was one of, what's his name? I'm getting married in the morning's henchman. Right. And then, boom, Joseph. 
And Joe's a technical. So yeah, good, good roles. You never played a villager, did you? No, you know, no. Christmas nativity. The, 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 my fair lady was a little bit village noddy, kind of like. <laughs> I love it when they memo to each other. They go, "Well, I'm off to London to to to, to make me fortune." They look at each other and they literally mouth, "He's off to London to make his fortune." <laughs> Uh, so I did uh, Amateur Panto at Preston Little Theatre. Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar was an incredible singing part. But people go, your background's musical theatre, why don't you do singing? And I went, because it's... I, I, have, been audi- I have auditioned for Shrek, but the thing is... My kids I can are, see that. My kids are quite young, though. It's two hours makeup on and it's an hour <laughs> off. It's a poison chalice. I'm glad I didn't get it. Hey, honestly, can you imagine that? Like everyone going out in the interval going, come on, we'll go to the Chinese. Oh, no, you can't. Can yeah, you? Stay, yeah. Two great green horns sticking out your head. <laughs> can't go, leave the theatre. Everyone's going, come on, are you coming down to Nando? Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I have auditioned for a few things just to have the experience. But the thing is, I don't tend to do... I don't do it because it, it's such a draw for my children. The runs, the tours and the runs in London. Too many months. Right. And I, I miss them too much. So that'll come later. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm drum scene in in Preston. Was The first one I did was Preston Musical Comedy. So I did uh, Guys and Dolls and um, Showboat, I think. Carousel, maybe. And then there was a breakaway faction for younger members. So we did Grease and I was Sonny in that. He's one of the T-Birds. And then I did Mickey and Blood Brothers. When I was 17, just before I, I went to Runshaw College in Leyland to yeah. theatre studies, I did that. But it was a very, very good amateur company. I mean, people, are, you shouldn't knock amateur dramatics because it's how I started. And some companies are very strong. They rehearse. Like Preston Musical Comedy, when we did Sit Down You Rock in the Boat for Guys and Dolls, we did eight-part harmony. And we, I, we, I rehearsed that for amateur more than I've ever rehearsed anything I've, really, I've right. ever done. That's how good it was. You know yeah. what I mean? My first actual paid gig was was five. I did Frank Spencer doing magic tricks because I didn't want to do Tommy Cooper. And I asked a bloke for a fiver. This is like 1976, right? I asked a bloke for a fiver and a magic wallet. And I went, can I, have a, <coughs> can I have a fiver from somebody, please? And the guy went, yeah, yeah, I like that. So I put the fiver in the wallet and I turned it round and it's gone. Anyway, I never give it him back. <laughs> I got a fiver in 1976 for a five-year-old. Could buy a small house in Oldham for that. Of course you could. Yeah, Definitely. Be. I remember actually, but when I was, I'm giving my age away, but I remember a bloke buying a house near us for 300 quid. Really? And it, it would have been like 67 or 68, 1967, 68, small tourist house in Oldham, 300 quid. 300? 300 quid, yeah. There might have been some sort of a shady deal going on. Oh, it might have been a, a terrible murder there. <laughs> yeah. Or it might have just been Multiple a, murder. It might have just been a coal shed. But I Unbelievable. <laughs> I remember my dad, we rented, my dad used to work for BTR, British Tire and Rubber. And in the summer, in the 70s, we used to live in Watford and we rented a house, but the house was for sale. And my dad told me how much it was. And it was like a four-bedroom detached house in Watford. It was 17,000 quid. Wow. Oh, can you imagine what it's worth now? Incredible, isn't it? When when you eventually landed the cold feet roll, sort of 1998, 99 and onwards, you must have, you were suddenly thrust into this level of fame you'd not had before. Because yeah. around here, everybody knew who you were, you'd done a lot yeah, of stand up. Yeah. But that programme alone brought you right to the attention of the man in the street. How did you handle a lot of fame at the time? I'd done the fast show. I'd done my behaving badly. It was only a, a bit of a, a bit part. It was, um, so done, that was a little bit. It was a, that was a foot in the door. And then fast show, obviously, that was a, that was a bit. But you don't get, re- the interesting thing about the fast show is you, you didn't get recognised as much because you're constantly in, uh, disguise you know yeah. you, so many different wigs and stuff 
But, I mean, that Bafash show at the time, it was cult, really. It was underground. It was massive. The the fans, are proper fans, and still are. But that's kind of grown over the years, Fast Show. Mm. So, at that time, I had a, a degree of anonymity, but was recognised. But then Cold Feet, I had no idea it was going to be that big. Mm. And it was huge. The timing was just right. The casting was perfect. I When we did the pilot, I had no idea it would go that big. So, one of the weird things that happened, I was in America at Universal Studios and a woman stopped me and went, oh my God, you're on the park. How how come? How come you get to walk around? Are you filming? And I went, how do you know who I am? And she went, you're from Kofi, right? And I went, yeah. She went, it's on the plane, on the movies. So it was like on every airline in the back in the thing. Oh, yeah. So you'd like to get international recognition as well. That was weird. Mm. But at the time, I just didn't know. But the thing, it, it it's... I didn't do it to get famous. I did it to get... I, it's nice for people to admire your work, but I did it because it's a job that I wanted to do. Mm. And now I, it's a job I'd, I adore doing. What f- fascinates me is there are there are actors who don't really like the job, and I don't think... I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know why they do it. Have they stopped appreciating what they've got, maybe? I don't know, maybe. But I'm just so grateful I do a job that I love. But yeah. at the time, I was young... I was, and I, and I was, you know, impressionable. And um, I lived in London when I was filming Cold Feet at the beginning. Yeah. So when I filmed, came here, I lived in hotels. So it was like, there's a lot of parties. Yeah. There's a lot of private members clubs. Yeah. And there's a lot of free stuff. And uh, the fame, the so the, it happens, the fame comes, then the press comes sniffing, and then the, the press start nosing, and they nose deeper and deeper, mm-hmm. and then you're in it. And then I was a victim <laughs> of phone hacking. Yeah. Surveillance. I thought I was paranoid. I thought I was being followed. And it transpires I was. <laughs> I was being followed. But, you know, that's the past. And I'm glad I can sit here today and say, I've cli- you know, I used drugs and alcohol to, me- to self-medicate the pain yeah. of, of the attention and, and that, that I didn't want, you know. And, uh, but, yeah, I'm kind of like, well, I'm 50 next year. So I've just, just quit fags. I've been off the booze 12 years. I've quit the fags. I'm about... Nearly five weeks on the on the on the cigs, mm. having the odd vape. Let me go back. Hang on, wrong. Just go back now to yeah. that. You, you you I as a kite in more ways than one. Yeah. Cold, cold feet smashing all the records. You were off your tits in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Tabloids are mithering you, and then suddenly the program comes to an end. You were still a bit off it. Yeah. You waiting for the phone to ring for your next gig. Yeah. Nothing happened for a bit, did it? No. What I, what I did was survived. I survived really on uh, voiceovers which uh, that just kept me, kept the wolf from the door, really. Mm. Um, but what's happens is is uh, most people have a private battle with addiction, but I had a very public one, thanks to the tabloids. Yeah. And that what that does is that tars you with the brush that the industry will go, well, you know, you, you, can't, you can't get him insured, we can't got work. problem, with, hasn't he? Yeah, we yeah. Can't, and will he turn up for work? <laughs> so it took, I mean, I was sober even five years straight. I was still kind of, it was only in the voice world that everyone knew that a I was very well mannered, punctual, didn't bump into the furniture. It was because <laughs> oh, you sat down, you weren't doing any acting. It was just, you know what I mean. <laughs> but it was nice to we'll come back on cold feet and ask Terry McDonough, our first director on the new series. Uh, I said to him, "Would you say I was low maintenance?" And he said, "No, I can't possibly say that." And I went, "Why?" He went, "Because you're no maintenance." And I went, "Well, that's that's all I need to hear." Yeah. And that's just the best thing I've ever heard in years. Yeah. So I'm officially no maintenance Thompson. Is that what that's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I like that. I had a similar period actually. The spiral split in spring of '95. Yeah. Amicable split, and we'd gone for like nine or ten years of doing it full time, traveling the world. We'd played the Glastonbury stage, big stage that year, I think, or some big festivals, but d- top of the pops eight times, and suddenly it all stopped. And I was sat in my little house in Milner or Rochdale, two kids to feed, waiting for the phone to ring. And now it happened for a couple of years. So I've been there, I've been there, and it was um, quite, it can be quite Still a dark thing. time when you've been going, going from those massive eyes to that, yeah, of course. that, that, that low. And you did, you've, you've openly spoke about the level of depression you experienced during that period as well. Yeah, I've been. Um it's kind of work for me is my drive. It's kind of like I don't know. It's uh, it, it's uh, work. My if I'm not working, I don't have a purpose really. And even though I've got so many strings to me bow. So recently, 2012, 13 were hungry years. They were tough, mm. and I went to LA just on a whim to see what pilot season was about, and it was a, an absolute fool's errand. And I would tell any actor just to go out there to the things that I'll go out to LA and make it. Well, to do that, you've got to live there. You yeah. have to move, you know, and there are some people that do it. Like, uh, I see he's done a great job of it. Ricky Whittle. Right. He's in American Gods on Prime Amazon and he's fantastic in it. But he's, he's made that move, but he's moved there. But, but I wasn't prepared to move there. And the thing is though, in afterwards, when I did Billionaire Boy with Catherine Tate, Catherine said to me, she went, oh, Joan, he says, I had a terrible time. I went, I've never been so low. I was agoraphobic. All I, ended, I, d- I didn't get a single audition while I was there for six weeks. And all I did, the only, the, we saved each other's sanities was me and Bradley Walsh. Right. And we'd ring each other and go, what do you want to do? Well, usual. Want, yeah, riding bicycles around Marina Del Rey. Oh, brilliant. Laughing at bodybuilders. And, <laughs> you know a, what I mean? It's a good image. We a, we, me and Bradley saved each other's sanity. But uh, Catherine Tate said to me, don't go to LA unless you're invited. Right. Which means you've got a job. You know what I mean? Tom goes, honestly, it's a, f- oh, so needy, such a needy place. Like everyone's on the take. Uh, even the way, uh, everyone's, everyone that works in another service, say the service industry, they all want to be actors. Uh, you must have been uh, chuffed then that Cold Feet came back and got rebooted and again went, went in a massive level of success. I can't tell you, I didn't have no idea. I, I remember going on, I remember watching it live when it went out that Monday night, no, I say it. No, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind a bit. It was cast and producers only were invited to a screening of Ep One, mm-hmm. Ep One new series, season six. Yeah, season. You see, it's become season. It's American yeah. season. Yeah. It's not series. Very American thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, series <laughs> six, Ep One. Anyway, I sat and I watched it, and I was blown away by it. And I saw Jimmy after I went. I was alright that here, man. Yeah. It's good, yeah. I went, Jimmy, it's amazing. He went, it's really, it's really good. And then they all went to have a bit of a, a sit round and drink and a post-mortem of it. And I went, I just couldn't. Right. I went, I'm going, went, where are you going? Oh, I've got to go. I was overwhelmed because I thought, this has got legs, this. So when you were filming it, you didn't feel that? It's weird. It's really? Sometimes, you, you know, it's, it's great to be back, but you don't know. It's basically, it's the public that decide. Even though, you know, I've been in things that I thought were good that bombed, you know. And these and days, you've got that instant, instant social media now, haven't you? Say that, yeah. Which you didn't have back in Word the day. Mouth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. So that, that's another thing. So I watched it live that night because I thought, well, what I've seen, I know works. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty good. So Cold Feet went out and then I just watched it and went to bed and I didn't touch my phone. and It was a deliberate thing because I didn't want to know until mm. the morning. Oh my god! It was it was the second highest 
trending thing mm. in the world Imagine. on Twitter. And uh, it was just insane. Uh, I feel so blessed. But, I mean, it, 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 for the last 13 years, people were, is it coming back? And there's lo lots of kind of indications it might be. Some of it was rumour-mongering tabloids just... Oh, let's just, you know, silly season. Let's mm. say it's coming back. And it's never going to be your decision, though. It's somebody else's uh, totally. call, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So then and when I got a draft for a, well, it was really a pilot for a new, it, you know, it wasn't a reboot it was a, or a remake. It was a, it's a revisit. That's what it is, really. It's a mm. revisit of the show. We went in guns blazing. But I would hope so, really, because you've got 13 years of pre-production. Oh, you yeah. should should be okay. <clears throat> so the pi the pi the, the the draft of the first step of the series six was strong. So we all kind of it was a bit like how we imagine you assemble a bank job, you know, and you go, you know, we get old uh, McGee on on the the safe cracker, get him, and and you go round, and we all ringing in each other, and going, what do you think? Are you are you are you in? <laughs> he goes, no, mate. I want to go straight. I don't want to do no more cold feet. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to go straight. I don't want to do no more. <laughs> but this series, the second series, one, it was that difficult second album. You'll know that. Yeah. It what? was really hard. And it, it was supposed to be eight, and we didn't do eight. We did seven. Right. So now we're down to six. So they're consolidated for six. But this series, I will tell you now, is m miles better right. than the last one. Amazing. Let's talk about another high point of your acting career. <clears throat> you and me played alongside each other, sort of, in the film 24-Hour Party People. We did. You played Charles, the, uh, was he a TV executive? Regional television producer, yeah. And I was a, a train conductor called Ernie. It, it was mad film, that, <laughs> wasn't it? It was mad. Did you do any filming on the train? I don't think you are on the train. I was on the train, but some, I remember Lenny, Lenny James, his yeah. agent went, are you on that coach? Right. Because it word got round what was going on. We filmed on a train. It was me and Coogan. He was playing Tony Wilson. I was playing the train guy. So I took him to his seat. So we spent yeah. an afternoon filming on this um, train in Bury on the right. little private railway line. Yeah. And all the extras were like these. They picked pretty dopey looking extras, really. But, yeah. You know, to be fair. And <laughs> but they were all. It was just a mad, a mad. Like I said, a very surreal. I mean, I'm not an actor, but a very surreal moment in time. That me working opposite Coogan for an afternoon like that, I was surrounded by. These strange people. Uh, let's move on to talking about the city of Manchester. It's the main thing we're covering on these podcasts. Do you think there is a sort of unique Manchester spirit? And if, if you do think that, how would you identify it? I I just feel a great affinity with the place. I'm very lucky in my lifetime to have been here uh, when it was a proper cultural melting pot that you'll know musically yeah. and make comedy, that it really... It was put on the map brilliantly by by through the arts. Yeah, but loads of just it was a, it was as as, you, as we say like locally buzzing. It's funny that we say buzzing and the B is now such a, an emblem. Yeah. The, the, the two were never kind of connected, were yeah. they? So, so the, B, the, the B's always been there as it's a sort of symbol. The, yeah, as but it was never it was never there because the B was buzzing. You know, mm. it's mad that the two things are in, in, you know inexplicably linked. Um, but when I when I was uh, when I was a student here, there was a the, you know that there was always that kind of cultural underground phenomenon that, that this place had something magical about it, and it's it, I've seen it change. But it's I see I've seen it change so much, but with a great affection. You know, some people go, oh, it's not like it used to be, and you know, I, I'm not one of those people. I'm not. Uh, I'm. Um, I'm a Remainer. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I remain with the fact that um, 
that I, I accept change and I look forward to the way that this city is developing. And it's exciting to see the changes. And there's little pockets now. It's becoming like, you know, like the Northern Quarter, then there's First Street, mm. the Spinning Fields, and there's all these little kind of neighbourhoods yeah. that are developing that was like, it's like amazing. I remember my dad used to work in Greengate, at, uh, uh, and I used to walk under this railway bridge uh, to get to Shamble Square, the old precinct there. I remember, I remember how horrible it was there there was a weird shop on that you know that walk up uh there was a waterbed shop there as well the only one in like miles anywhere you know go to sulfur for your waterbed yeah. but i remember walking up there and thinking on the way to the old arndale when i was a kid when i would have gone to see my dad at work in greengate which is just the other side of the old manchester sulfur royal infirmary you know that has flats now yeah so my dad worked behind there and we used to navigate through to town but i remember thinking Shambles Square, Sussex Armoury, the Arndale, the Misery. It, the, the, it was kind of, it was grim. And then just looking, that if you made that, took that same route now, and how vibrant and exciting it yeah. is. We've got amazing things. My mate told me, this is a story that you might not know, that, that, that fascinates me, because I like ghosts and, and horror, and I love, like, Halloween's just gone, but I love it. And my mate, uh, Simon Dinnigan, is a, an amazing classical guitarist who was at Cheatham's. Right. And he said, Dr. John Dee, who was mm -hmm. Elizabeth I's necromancer and alchemist, he was like, practiced the occult. And they say that he summoned the devil in the library at Cheatham's. And apparently, I've not been, if you go into Cheatham's and on the floor in the Cheatham's, um, kind of melted into the stone is a cloven hoof. Are oh, you joking? Print. Wow. And, he went, and that's, where, that's where he appeared. So that's... Uh, <laughs> that's Tales of Terror from Thompson. <laughs> Thompson. So, yeah, yeah. I love it because it's like so many things. Like now, um, it's kind of like suffrage. It's been put on the map. I didn't know. And it, um, it's kind of getting a more of an identity as a, you know, in, I, I mean, I knew it was the home of the first computer, but Alan Turing and all our, our history is kind of, uh, you know, it's becoming a more valid, validated do you know yeah, what I mean? It's true, yeah. It never used to be. It was kind of, I think we were tarred with the, the brush of many northern towns. It was industry, you know, dark satanic mills, cotton, and, and uh, you know, people t impoverished conditions, work to the bone. And it, it was. Well, you mentioned a couple of names just then. I'm just uh, want to wrap things up now. Who are your favourite humans of Manchester, past or present? Give me two or three names. They don't have to be Mancunians. They can be people that have settled here or done amazing things for the city. Well, Tony Wilson was um, a good friend, actually. I was very shocked when he died. I, I got to know Tony quite well when I did a show called uh, Remote Control uh, on Channel 4. Channel 4, it was. And uh, I had such a laugh on that. <clears throat> it was brilliant. And I got to know Tony quite well on that. And we used to have quite a laugh. And he, he's he's put the place on the map massively. Absolutely. You know what I mean? He's such an interesting character as well. Um He's one of those people that I have a few friends, you know, colleagues that that have passed away, and he's one of them. I, I can't quite believe he's he's gone really, and then that brings me to my next one. Obviously, Caroline. Yeah, that's a big shock, and I've not really, I still not really, I've not really dealt with that properly because I didn't see a lot of her in the latter years, and it really it it kills me. And I said to Steve Coogan at the funeral. Uh, I said I feel terrible that I never saw it, but he said, "Please don't beat yourself up, John." And I said, "Well." It's not that for want of trying. 
So mm. I did try to communicate with her, yeah. and I would text her, and I would ring her, but she wouldn't get back to me. And, I, and sadly, that that's the work of the tabloids. That's, mm. that's, she, they created a recluse there, yeah, because she was lived in fear of of, <clears throat> of, of of being persecuted by the papers, and it kills me. You know what I mean? But mm. I was very, very lucky to work with her. Yeah. Um, her last project, and right. she played my wife in it. So that I did get to see her uh, not not long before she died. So Caroline, Tony, um, I don't do sports, so there's been no there been no footballers in there. I'm afraid. I mean, once this is so embarrassing. I can't stand football, and I've never liked foot. I was bullied at sport in sc- at school, so I've never liked it. So I've never don't like any sports. People think I'm a freak. Like I went, I was in Crete when the World Cup was on, and someone went, watching the game tonight. I went, no, no, and they went, what? It's England, and I went, no, I, I, I don't like football. I don't, I don't, I just don't like it. They went, well, what sport do you like? I went, none, and they went. They look at their wives and go, "Come on, she's gonna get your coat." It's weird. <laughs> a nut- and I didn't drink. They thought I was a nutter, a non-drinking football hater from Manchester. I might as well have landed in a UFO. I've got a funny story about Caroline that I want to tell you. Yeah, please do. During that period when the Inspirals would split up, and I was on my ass a bit, and I started doing theme tunes for Granada Television. I didn't know that. You're like Bruno from the <laughs> Kids from Fame, aren't you? Oh, yeah, you know, multi talented. Mr. Shirasky, my music. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was doing these theme tunes. Anyway, one time I, I delivered a theme tune. I went down into the cafe in Granada and she was over Craig, Craig Cash. Yeah, yeah. And we sat down for a, a brew. And she said, uh, what are you up to these days, Clint? And I said, oh, I'm just writing a lot of theme tunes for uh, Granada. And she said, oh, that's good, isn't it? I said, yeah. I said, I've got theme tunes coming out of my arse, meaning I've got a lot of them. Yeah, that's a phrase right here. I've got them coming out of my house. It means I've got a stack of theme tunes. Yeah. And she says to me, "You know what, Clint? Some of those theme tunes do actually sound like they've come out of your ass." <laughs> <laughs> but they did. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, they're great. You know I mean? Like, can, fight, name, can you go, name one? What's uh, your favourite? Well, Engie Benji was a beauty. Oh, Engie Benji, yeah, 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 yeah. Benji, Engie Man, fantastic. One more thing, I'm going to ask you, John. Yes, John Thompson. Yes, describe Manchester in three words. Okay, you ready? Go on. Cheap. Friendly and inclement. <laughs> That's good. Inclement. But you know what? Go it's on. a good test of people's intelli- intelligence to go. <laughs> if they go, what's inclement? I kind of go, go and look it up. <laughs> That's really good, that. You can see that on the uh, the tourist the tourist board ever do new billboards. Manchester, cheap, friendly, yeah, inclement. And inclement. Yeah, That's you can quote me on that. John Thompson, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. I've loved it. Thank you very much, Clint. There you go, that was John Thompson. Make sure you join us next week where I'll be speaking to Manchester legend and Happy Mondays singer Rowetta. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter we are at Humans Excess and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester on your favourite podcast platform. And do feel free to rate us and leave us a comment. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.